Welcome back to the Fourth Way Podcast. We are continuing our discussion of just war theory today. And in the last episode, we took a look at our first issue, our first tenant of just war theory, and kind of asked some tough questions for it, uh, how, uh, how this idea of just cause could warrant the war or taking of life. In this episode, we're going to deal with the second tenant of the just war theory, which is the idea of legitimate or just authority. And just authority is interesting because uh, for Augustine, and probably Aquinas as well, this would have really been the, the first um, the first issue to kind of look at. Um, and, and that's because, at least for Augustine, the government is the only just authority to be able to allow uh, an individual to kill on its behalf. Even self-defense was not legitimate to Augustine, um, even even though the law said it was, because uh, he just couldn't see how an individual could regulate their passions and kill somebody in love when it was out of self-defense and in the heat of the moment. So even if you had what seemed like a just cause, and Augustine even acknowledges that you know, if you have self-defense, you might be legally moral, but you wouldn't be ultimately moral because you'd be judged, judged by God even though you wouldn't be judged by the state. Um, so it really boils down to if there isn't a just authority, it doesn't matter if you think you have a just cause. Uh, so this is, is really the primary one for somebody like Augustine. For Americans, uh, it seems like number one is is first, and because if it's not, um, if if you really do need a just authority um, first, then that would discount the American Revolution, and we'll we'll get to that um, in our like our last episode in this series. But um, for Christians, uh, you need the just cause. For American Christians, you need just cause before just authority, or else uh, the Fourth of July becomes a little bit less celebratory. Uh, as as some day of honor uh, for for the Revolutionary War. So let's dig in and take a look at just authority. So this this first issue it it doesn't necessarily negate the possibility of there being a a just authority, um, just human authority that can allow us to do violence. But it is something that we, we see as, as problematic. And remember that part of what we're doing isn't just to show that, that uh, just war theory is um, hypocritical and inconsistent and incoherent. But one of the other things we're trying to do is to show that really it's just as idealistic as pacifism uh, is in the eyes of, of most just war adherents. Because a lot of times people say, well, pacifism is just idealistic, you know. That's not going to work. Nobody can adhere to that fully, and it's not going to produce the results that you want. Well, some of the, the issues that we're going to look at in just war theory are we're going to kind of say the same thing. Like, wait a second, you're telling me that there's a just this just war theory and how to be just in wars, but nobody's ever going to do it? Nobody's ever going to be just? Well, if you know that you're, nobody's ever going to be just in, in uh, doing this action... Why do we as Christians think we can participate in this action um, if it's inherent, inherently problematic in a fallen world? Um, 
you know, if I can't avoid doing evil in this action, then that seems like a problem. So the first issue with just war, the, uh, with the just authority, is that uh, Yoder talks about this idea of a blank check, that uh, when we look at authority and we look for just authority, just authorities are basically a blank check for war. Um, and, and what he means by this is that, and you see this even in C.S. Lewis's uh, arguments against pacifism, where he's like, you know, you just need to fight for your government. And that, that's great advice to the British right before World War II, but yeah, had a German heard his speech, then the German should fight for Germany. I mean, it's a blank check for a government to get people to follow them, to say that, well, there really is no illegitimate authority because Romans 13 very clearly says that government is from God, and Romans 13 was probably written under a not-so-good guy, and whatever guy my uh, I'm under at the moment, or girl, is probably going to be as good or better than who Paul was writing about, so... My authority is just. I guess if they call me to war, I need to go to war. Um, and that blank check issue is very problematic for Christians. Because how can you be a Christian and give somebody a blank check for for uh, fighting in their wars? That just uh, that takes out discretion and holiness for Christians who are supposed to be distinct and refuse to do evil. You know, that leads into kind of a second issue, which is, um, we kind of already stated, but what authority isn't just then, or isn't um, appropriate or legitimate? Right, North Korea? I mean, that Kim Jong-un is a legitimate authority. He inherited the the throne, or whatever they have, the, the seat of power. Um, and he might do things that we really don't like, but... When he tells Koreans to do stuff, isn't he a legitimate authority? Aren't both governments, the United States and North Korea, ordained by God, according to Romans 13? I mean, Nebuchadnezzar was ordained by God. We see that in the Old Testament. Uh, Assyria, Babylon uh, were wielded by God. And, um, you know, God eventually brought judgment to them. But... They were legitimate, and God even tells people that they better obey ne or submit to Nebuchadnezzar, and if they don't, God's going to judge them. He says that in the Old Testament. Um, Babylon and Syria were pretty terrible groups of people. Uh, you have a hard time explaining how, if, if I were a Christian in North Korea, and I was told to, to go to war, if that's a legitimate authority, and legitimate authorities justify war, how... Um, you know, that that's not a blank check for them and, and how there is such a thing as an illegitimate authority that's a government. Um, that's, that's a, you just can't pull that from the Bible, that there's an illegitimate governmental authority. Now we can discern the difference between obedience and submission to governments. That is something that's, that's clear in the Bible, First Peter, Romans, etc. Um, but there's no such thing as an illegitimate authority. And if there is no such thing as illegitimate authorities, um, or even if there are, you know, go back to go back to more medieval Europe, when all the countries are quote Christian, and they're fighting each other. You know, if I'm from, if one person's from France and one person's from uh, Great Britain, 
and their kings are both legitimate authorities, sending them off to fight each other. Christian countries, Christian leaders, all air-quoted here. Christian countries, Christian leaders, uh, Christian warriors. Then you're telling me that both the Frenchman and the uh, the British guy, uh, they are both moral and godly when they obey their countries and try to go kill each other? That doesn't make any sense to me. I, I That's something that doesn't compute for me, that you can have two people trying to slaughter each other and trying to slaughter the other group of people that are not only loving each other, supposedly, but are both godly because they're obeying their government in their attempt to kill other people. And that just doesn't that just doesn't fly. Um another question. Can't authorities be compromised by self interest as well? I just read a book called War is a Racket, which is fantastic because it's short. It's written by a very well decorated general. It was written like back in the nineteen thirties before you know, people started to get labeled as like social justice warriors and all kinds of stuff. It's just written by a, a by a pretty good guy, and he goes into just how war is a racket and how it's um, it's just exactly that. It's a racket. It's people get rich off of it. Um, there's a whole bunch of self interest. The motivation for going to war isn't legitimate, and I think he talks about even in World War One. You know, we didn't go into the World War for good reasons. Um, we went in because we wanted money. We were getting paid out the wazoo by uh, Great Britain and I think France and, and those those countries that would become the allies in World War uh, II. Um, and we didn't loan that much to Germany. So when did we decide to go to war? It was like a few days after this delegation came from those uh, future allied nations and said, hey, look, we're losing here, and it looks like we're going to lose. Now, I want you to remember, if we lose all that money that we owe you, we're not going to be able to pay back. And then what do you know? We enter the war, uh, enter World War I. Um, we entered the war not for some meaningful justice, but because we wanted our money. And that's what you find with a lot of the wars, is that there are very dark, devious, um, self-interested sort of reasons that we ultimately end up fighting many of the wars that we do. And to think that governments are not self-interested when they decide to go to war, and that that self-interest doesn't outweigh or negate any any good that we are are seeking to do i think that's just foolish to think that um or naive or both so now i want to get into uh into one that we we touched on in the last episode if we draw the justification for christian violence from god's authority to governments and we see how god asserts his authority and wages war in the old testament then we have to answer why, when we go to warfare, aren't our governments just in mandating a number of things that we see God either condone or uh, fail to judge 
or actually implement himself or tell others to implement in the Old Testament. Um, why, if violence is still legitimate, are, is our violence um, hogtied in ways that the Bible seems to think is not problem, problematic at all? Now, if we're just to fight and use violence, why are we not just in massacring civilian women and babies? In the Old Testament, if if uh, a group was evil, like let's say North Korea, let's say they're just evil, their regime is evil, and they've been implementing evil practices, they've been brainwashing people, why not just slaughter everybody? We see that in the Old Testament. If the violence is, is legitimate today, in part, uh, you want to excuse our violence today because we see it in the Old Testament, how can you legitimize violence while saying that these other things are wrong, um, that slaughtering women and children are bad. If we're just in fighting today and using violence today, why don't we take slaves in war? God allowed that. I'm not, I'm not talking about prisoners. I mean slaves for like the rest of their lives. Why is that illegitimate? Because if violence is justified today, in part because it was justified in the Old Testament, and we see how it was used in the Old Testament and not condemned, why don't we do that today? What about taking rape victims for ourselves in war? Uh, the young virgins. It was something that was regulated in the Old Testament and was allowed, and um, that's how they implemented violence and took spoils. Why is that off-limits for us today? Why would we think that's bad? You know, even if we didn't do it, why would we think that's a problem if that's how violence was implemented in the Old Testament and we think that violence carries over from the Old Testament? If we're just in fighting and using violence today, then why not dismember enemies and display their corpses? Why are we so soft? Like, why don't we put heads on pikes and stick them up around our army bases to show what happens to people who are unjust and mess with a just nation? They did that in the Old Testament, and you don't see that condemned. And the way that God talks, he can talk pretty grotesquely at times. Why is that a problem? Why would we say that, oh, no, no, violence is good today, but, oh, that, yeah, that's off-limits, that's bad. You know, why are we willing to carry over some aspects of, vi or the existence of violence and the use of it, but not these other things that we see come along with it in the Old Testament? And we see even God engaging in himself or condoning or commanding. If you're going to say, well, those things are off limits because, you know, um, God had to command the slaughter of the Canaanites. He didn't tell them to massacre all men, women, and children. But he told them, you know, when to do it. And when God gave the command, then it was okay. If he didn't, it wasn't. Right? You can use that sort of justification for some of these things. Not all of them. But then if you do, that comes back to the pacifist question, which is, um, if, if God commanded us not to take vengeance or do violence in the New Testament, then why don't we adhere to that? Why do you recognize that for vi a certain type of violence, like the massacring of women and children, to occur in the Old Testament, God had to command it, to allow it? But in the New Testament, when God has expressly disallowed violence, you say, no, no, we're going to carry that over from the Old Testament. It seems like a, a double standard there and uh, hypocritical. 
Last question here. If God's theocracy today is the denationalized church, which that's what it is because the Gospels are clear that Jesus Christ brought the kingdom. The kingdom is here. The Gospels are clear that Jesus sits, is seated right now at the right hand of the throne of God, ruling in power. Ephesians shows us the same thing. He's seated at the right hand of the throne of God, ruling in power, giving us every heavenly gift. First um, Peter declares very clearly that we are aliens and strangers in this land because we are a part of a different kingdom, a kingdom that God said, that Jesus said, is not of this world and we do not fight for like others fight for. Um, so if, if there is a theocracy today with Jesus reigning as king, and that is a that theocracy is a denationalized church, then how can the church justify fighting other Christ, other Christians across the world when we go to war for our governments, or attempt to implement God's law through force when the church is borderless, when the the church isn't like a national church? It's not a nash. It's not a nation. Um, our legitimate just authority is Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone, and we submit to other authorities, national authorities, but that submission goes only as far as it, uh, un until it becomes a conflict with our true king. Um, and it's, I guess, for you to explain to me how there can be a just authority in this world that can tell me to go against my king and his commands and uh, his example, I just don't think you can do it. And you run into a lot of problems when you try to rationalize that, especially when you look at how um, how violence was implemented in the Old Testament. Well, I think that's all for now. So, peace. And because I'm a pacifist, when I say it, I mean it.